Welcome to the Aiden Mari podcast and thank you for listening. This is a podcast where we like to explore faith, the Bible, and trying to better follow Jesus. This podcast is a collection of sermons, interviews, and also me just rambling about different things about Christianity or what's on my mind or conversations we're having. We're trying to upload weekly, so hopefully that happens. So I hope you enjoy and let's get on with this week's episode. We all long for the world to be good, for people to live in peace, act with love and justice, but there's a problem. Something compels us humans to constantly wreak havoc and destruction instead, and we call this evil. And from the Bible's point of view, evil ruins things in at least two ways. There's a direct effect of our evil, like when someone steals from another person, they've created injustice. Hmm. You know, therefore, you know, they owe something to make it right. But there's another indirect effect of evil, because they've also ruined the environment of the relationship, creating a lack of trust, there's emotional damage. It's like vandalism, and they need to make that right, too. Now, many people believe, hey, God is good. He should be the one to just get rid of all the evil in the world. But let's be honest. I mean, the evil that I see everywhere out there, it's the same evil that's inside of me. We have all contributed, and, and we keep doing it. And so this kind of puts us in a bind. If God's going to rid the world of evil, he'll have to get rid of us. And this is what's so remarkable about the story of the Bible. This God is so good that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know, it seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement, which means to cover over someone's death. But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. The blood represents life. And the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become a clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual sacrifices of the Israelites had become meaningless because they were also allowing great evil in their midst, ignoring the poor and the oppressed. Even the Israelite kings were distorting justice. But Isaiah looked forward to a day when a new king from the line of David would come and deal with evil, but in a surprising way. The king would become a servant and not just serve, but also suffer and die for the evil committed by his own people. 
and his life would be offered as a sacrifice. This is the promise Jesus believed he was fulfilling. He's the king of Israel suffering and dying on the cross. In fact, Jesus himself used Isaiah's words when he said that he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that word ransom refers to a sacrifice of atonement. And so all over the New Testament, we hear about how Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice for us. It covered the debt that humans owe God for contributing to all of the evil and death in this world. But the New Testament authors also talk about Jesus' death as providing purification. And so we hear about Jesus' blood as a symbol of his life, having this ability to wash away the vandalism that evil has caused in us and around us so we can now live at peace with God. So that's the meaning behind Jesus' death. But there's more to the story. Yeah, the New Testament makes this powerful claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. And so he's the sacrifice who broke the power of death and evil, which means that he lives on to offer his life to anyone who will accept it. He is the perfect sacrifice to which all the previous sacrifices were pointing all along. So because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating in the ritual of animal sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. There are two that Jesus taught his followers to perform. The first is called baptism. Just as Jesus died, so going into the water becomes this personal connection you now have to his death. And in coming out of the water, you, so to speak, come back to life with Jesus. So baptism is this sacred ritual that joins your story to Jesus' death and his resurrection. The second ritual is called the Lord's Supper which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and he used bread and wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now, followers of Jesus, they take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and in his life. So these rituals, they remind us of God's love and encourage us to live a life of love and grace. But they do more than that. They connect us to a new life source, the very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can deal with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people who lead lives of love and peace. All right. I want you to picture this. It's a snowy day in, uh, in a little town called Dewberry. And little Aiden is sitting there in Dewberry doing as he does while his little brother has a hockey game. Um, and eventually he gets bored. And so what he decides to do is he decides to leave his, uh, leave his father. I was with my dad, hanging out, doing what I do. Uh, and I was like, this is boring. I don't want to watch this hockey game. I'm not playing, so I don't really care. And I wandered off outside, outside of the rink, uh, out into the snow. In the snow, I encountered a bunch of other kids my age, and we were hanging out. Um, and uh, eventually, there was some fighting and whatnot. But overall, it was a good time. Um, and we were having a really good time outside. So, so good of a time, actually, that we lost track of time. Um, and the next thing I knew is I went back in the rink, and everybody was gone. And, and I walked in the rink in a, in a place that was far away from where my house was, and I went... I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how to get back. I don't know, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I was lost. 
And, and ultimately, the reason why I was lost is because I decided that I was going to leave my father's side and I wasn't going to stay by him. I was going to go out and do my own thing. And in doing my own thing, I got left behind. Um, and, and I was kind of scared because it's never happened before, and I literally had no clue what to do. Um, luckily, though, someone who was a, a close friend of my dad was still there, and I ran into him. And he was like, hey, Aiden, uh, <laughs> are, you, uh, are you looking to go home? And I was like, yeah, I do want to go home. I don't want to be stuck in Dewberry. So thank you, sir. Could you please take me home? And I got in his vehicle, and he took me back home, and everything was fine. But I think that story says something big about, about God. Um, I think that all of us have actually left the Father's side at some point in our lives. And it might not be now, but, but it, it'll happen or it has happened where you weren't beside God. Um, you've kind of wandered away and you saw what life was like on the other side and you went, okay, I'll do things my own way. And you kind of wandered off and you went outside and things were fun and you got distracted. And the next thing you know is you kind of looked around and you realized you were so far from your dad that you had no idea where he was and you had no idea how the heck you were going to get home. And ultimately, what that video was talking about is that humanity, through this thing called sin, which is just doing wrong or even doing things that you don't even know you're, you're supposed to be doing, um, through doing those things, we, we've, we've brought evil into the world, we've brought suffering, we've brought pain, we've brought this thing called sin, and all of us have it. it it's like a virus that's in all of us, and, and you can't escape it. And, and because of that, we needed someone to come and we needed someone to kind of deal with this thing called sin. And, and, and that guy was Jesus. And you might have heard a story about a dude in a manger, a little baby. And you might not know, like, why it's a Merry Christmas or whatever. But you know some stuff. And I, and I actually want to put it this way. That, that, that this Christmas, let's celebrate the undeserved gift of Jesus. Because here's the thing. We all walked outside, we all chose our own path, we all chose to walk away from God by, by doing our own thing, and, and God could have just left us, but ultimately God came down in the form of Jesus, and, and it was even better than my story. Um, God came back, and, and he came down in the form of a baby, and he went, I, I want to bring you back, and so that's, that's what we're talking about tonight. And so the Bible has something to say about this, about what Jesus did for us, um, about him turning into this child one Christmas night. And, and the Bible says this, it says, though he, meaning Jesus, was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. He didn't think of something that, that he should hold on to. He didn't think that, oh, I should sit on my throne, I should stay in heaven. Instead, he realized, you know what, the best way for everyone to come to me is to actually let go and not just hold on to being safe and staying where it's easy. Instead, he, he does this. And it says that he, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up, he gave up, Jesus gave up knowing everything. Because sometimes people ask him questions and he'll say, I don't know. He gave up being always healthy. Now he could get sick. He, he gave up being uh, this crazy God thing and instead became human, which is pretty normal and basic. And he even gave up being king and, and he decided to become a baby. And so he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave, of a servant, of someone who helps other people. Jesus came and instead of being king, he decided he was going to be servant. Even though these people did nothing to actually deserve having a servant, he decided he was going to serve them. 
and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. And so ultimately, Jesus came to earth because he loves you. And he does this thing which we talked about last week, is he goes on this massive wooden torture device the Romans invented called a cross. And he's nailed to it and beaten and his blood is spilt and he dies. And the reason why he dies is, is because he loves us so much that he wants to take all of our sin, all of our hurt, all of our evil, and he takes it into himself so that you don't have to take it anymore and he pays for it. It's as if you owe God millions of dollars and instead of him making you pay for it, he gives you a blank check. It says, here you go. Write the number that you need filled in it. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And, and, and even though we turned our backs on God, even though we wandered out into the snow away from the hockey arena where our Father is, God came back because he loves us. And not only did he come back, but he paid for the wrong that we did so that we could have a relationship with him. Um, there's this chapter in the Bible that was written around 700 to 900 years before Jesus existed. So I want you to imagine this. 700 or 900 years before Jesus existed, um, a prophet who's a guy who hears from God and says things wrote this down. And he says this, my servant, which we know now as Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and he was rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. And we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so, so we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have wandered and gone astray. We left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. And he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly he was condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Of me, of you, of the Israelites, of us. He was struck down because of us. He had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, when it was made for atonement, it's saying, that big word that means, that means payment, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will, will prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished, when Jesus looks and he sees what's done through his death and resurrection, he will be satisfied, and because of his experience, the righteous servant will make this possible for many to be counted righteous. For people like us to be counted righteous. For people who've never done anything good to actually be seen as good, even though they've done wrong. And he will bear all of their sins. 
and I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death and he, counted, he was counted among the rebels and he bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. And so that, that, that chapter was written hundreds of years before Jesus came to be prophesying what he would do. And what it is is this, is this baby that, 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 that we celebrate on Christmas grew up into a man. And this is why it's good news. This is why it's a Merry Christmas. Because he grew up and, and he took all of our sin onto himself. He died on a cross. And not only did he die and pay for sin, he rose again showing that he was God. And, and he offers us now eternal life. And he goes that no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter if you feel like a failure, he's paid for all of it. All of your sin, past, present, and the ones you haven't even done yet have been paid for. And that's why it's a Merry Christmas. And, and so we're going to do something a little different. Something a little weird. Uh, something that we've never done before. Um, and what's going to happen is... Um, I want to give you guys some time to reflect. So there's going to be a song that's sung. And as the song's being sung, I want you to think about all the things you've ever done wrong, all, all the ways you feel guilty, all the ways you feel alone, the ways you know you've messed up. And I want you to fully realize that Jesus took it. And once you've kind of realized that and you've fully kind of embraced it and gone, okay, I, I know what I've done, I want you to come up here and, and grab a nail. Because it was nails that held Jesus to the cross. And, and those nails were put there because of our sin. And I want you to pick up this nail and realize that this represents everything you've ever done wrong. Every time you've messed up. Every, every time you felt alone too. Every time you felt like you're not good enough. And I want you to realize that this nail represents all of that. And so as you come up, I want you to actually place a nail in this manger, where, where the baby Jesus would have laid in something similar like this, I want you to put the nail there. And I want you to realize that, that Jesus took all of that, everything that you've ever felt, everything you've ever done and will do, and he took all of it, and now it's his, and he paid for it. And, and when you leave that in the manger, I want you to remember that all of it isn't on you anymore, that you don't need to feel that anymore, that you've been forgiven, that you have been made new, that you've been given new life. And, and as you leave that, I want you to remember that it's no longer you who carry your mistakes, it's Jesus. And the reason why that's good news is because he's the only one who can carry it. And he carried it, and he paid for it, and it's done. And so as you guys come up while that song's being sing, I want you to remember that. And, and so I guys want you to think about this, that this Christmas, let's celebrate the undeserved gift of Jesus. That we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, we didn't do anything to bring him here, but he came anyway so that we could be saved and have a relationship with him, that we could be forgiven, that we could be made new. And so I wanna invite Jaslyn up to sing a song. Um, and, a, and as she's singing, um, kinda contemplate to yourself, what are those things? What are the things you're struggling with now? What are the things you feel guilty about? What are the things that eat you up at night that make you feel like you're not good enough? That, that, that you're too dirty to come to God. And then I want you to come up here and I want you... Oh, it died. oh it's back. I want you to pick up a nail. Um, and I want you to realize that symbolizes that. And I want you to put that in the manger and then leave it and, and, and worship where you are. Um, because Jesus did this great thing for us. And because of that, you don't need to hold on to that anymore, that you're free from it. And, and you can leave it. You can leave it here for him. 
And, and so as Jaslyn plays, I'm, I'm going to invite you guys um, to just sit there and contemplate. And whatever brave soul feels like they're ready can go. Um, but I want you guys to know this, that Jesus paid for your sin. And so you can leave your sin here. It doesn't have to follow you outside of this room. So, Jaslyn, go for it.
it's so